we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? That's right, pal. What the fuck, pals? How are you, buddy? What the fuck, nuts? What's up there? Why am I talking like that? Why am I talking like that? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Why? What? What's wrong with you? Why am I talking like that? I'll tell you why Sue Costello is on the show today. And I'm a little excited about that because uh, I love Sue Costello. And she's one of the only people that can talk like that and not drive me up a fucking wall. Do you know how much time I spent in Massachusetts, in Boston? Do you know? Should I even get into it? Oh, my God. Hey, pal, what's up, pal? Eh, what's up, pal? How are you? How are you? How are you, pal? All right, I get it. You talk like that normally. Hey, uh, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I'm having, I'm giving myself flashbacks. Fucking Boston. I was there for years. I, I don't, I can't tell you how alienating that accent was. And I'm not knocking anybody. I've grown to like that accent. I've grown to appreciate it. I find it endearing. It took a long time, though. I mean, I was in Boston from 81 to, what, 86. And then I went back in 88 or 87. I was there. I was there for most of the 80s. And that, man, I just remember there's a couple of memories I have that are fairly succinct about that accent. I remember I was in 1989. I was living in New York, but I was going to Boston to work. And I had to work all these one-nighters all over the Boston area. So I heard every variation of that. Uh, Mac, how are you, Mac? So you're the comedian? Mac Marin? Moran? What is that? What are you, Jew? But whatever. I Every variation I heard of that accent. And at the time, I just felt so outside of anybody that had that accent. I thought they were all, I thought that accent was out to get me. I once, okay, here's what I was going to tell you. I lived in New York City. I'd go up on the weekends to work in the Boston area to do one-nighters. I used to stay at my girlfriend's up there. And for some reason, it was in Somerville. Somerville, Massachusetts. I don't even know if I'm doing it right. I was in Somerville. Outside, it wasn't in Davis Square. It was outside of Porter Square. And she lived on the second or third floor of this building. And across the street, I don't know what the hell was going on there. I don't even remember the building. All I know was there, there was a girl named Jennifer who lived on the second floor of the building across the street. And the reason I know that is almost every night, or at least four or five nights a week, our bedroom was right on the street or my girlfriend's bedroom was on the street and whatever the hell was going on there was always someone in the street at about anywhere from 11 at night till four in the morning doing this jennifer 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 it seemed like it went on for hours it was like some sort of horrendous tragic comedy going on with some woman named jennifer uh, we never even understood it. It was just nonstop drama in that accent. On another note, now that I'm talking about this, this reminded me of another episode in that apartment. I used to go up there on weekends and I'd stay with her and she lived with these two girls and this dude. What the hell was that guy's name? This was one of those moments, I'm sure everyone's had one in their life, where you don't even realize that people hate your fucking guts. 
I remember I'd been going, you know, I'd been commuting up there. I was staying up there every other weekend, hanging out with these roommates of hers. And one morning they sat me down. They said, come in here. And they brought me in with the woman who actually went on to be my first wife, brought me into the kitchen and they sat me down. She didn't know what was going to happen. And they basically said, uh, this kid, Sean, that was his name. He was like a surfer guy. And these two women and Sean was doing the talking. Damn it. And he never talks. And they basically said, uh, he said, uh, yeah, we don't want you staying here anymore. And I go, what? Like, we just don't want you staying here. And I'm like, what do you, why? Well, I don't understand. We, we, and he got all flustered. He goes, well, we, we, we just don't, we just don't like you. I'm like, well, what do you, I, no, I couldn't even understand it. I thought it was perfectly pleasant. I thought everybody should cherish the time that they spent with me. And I said, well, I, I, I don't understand. He's like, we just want you out. You just can't stay here anymore. I said, I'll pay rent. They're like, no, we don't want money. We just don't want you to stay here anymore. It was weird. I didn't know what to do. And I, I looked at Kim, who was uh, the woman that I was seeing. And she wasn't in any position. I mean, I, I think she fought for me after I left. But I, it was ridiculous. Primarily because I was in the awkward position that I couldn't go into this house anymore where the girl I was dating lived and where I used to sleep. So then I would come up for the weekend and I'd have to stand outside. And I have to stand outside across from the guy going, Jennifer! Saying, Kim! Kim, Jennifer, come on, it's my turn, pal. Kim, just come to the window. Jennifer, I'm going to kick your ass. Those were uh, proud days. Another story revolving around that accent that I think had a traumatic effect on me was before, long before I moved to New York, I was just starting out as a comic, and I remember doing a set at the Comedy Connection in Boston, and after the set, uh, these two college girls came up to me and one said, I want to introduce you to my friend. I can't remember her name. She's from France. She's an exchange student, an exchange student from France. So this woman was talking to me in this broken English and this French accent. It was very charming. You know, I, I got the balls up to ask her out. She said, okay. And then when I was supposed to go out with her, I drove all the way out to this college. I don't even remember where it was. And uh, I go to pick her up. And then her friend, who was, she was with at the club, says, uh, yeah, uh, so-and-so's got something she wants to tell you. And I'm like, why? What's the matter? Is everything all right? I just think you ought to come with me. So I go back, and there's this woman. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, hi. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I lied. I'm from Quincy. And I'm like, ugh. Like, not only was she not from France, she was from Quincy. I don't even know what that means, but she had that accent. It was horrendous. It was I felt like an idiot. But uh I I I I took her out anyways. Was not as exotic talking about Quincy over talking about Paris. Jennifer! <laughs> No, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, in your career, you've had these things where you feel yourself being launched somehow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just sort of like all of a sudden it's like, I can't deal with all this shit. (laughs) Yeah. There's too much to do. Right. And And think about it on a personal level, how hard it is to handle yourself with people on a personal level. In general. And then magnify that. Without success. (laughs) It's hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) And then magnify that. 
by a million in six seconds. And it's, it's hard not to become a douchebag. <laughs> yes. I, I don't scared and angry and don't know how to handle it. And then you're like, right. sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah. In my garage, Sue Costello, how are you doing? I'm excellent. I'm really good. Yeah. I will, yeah. I mean, this is interesting for me because, you know, you've had in your career, you've had some ups and downs. Yes. Big ups and downs. But when I met you, you were you were just starting out in uh, in Boston, mm-hmm. and you were, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you were a, an aerobics teacher. Yes, I taught aerobics to old ladies. Make sure you clear. Uh, you taught aerobics to old ladies. I you... wasn't like a glamorous aerobics instructor. I had like a senior class, and they actually I taught them for like a year, and uh, I took one day off, and they signed a petition to get rid of me. Really? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the old ladies ganged up on you? Yeah, they were like mean old ladies. Were and you they, pushing them too hard? I must. I had a big band tape for them and everything. I thought I was doing a good job. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> so you're playing a little Buddy Rich or uh, some Artie Shaw. Yeah. And they were just, was this in Southie? No, this was in New York. This is when I first moved to New York. When I, I got the aerobics uh, degree, if you will, in uh, in Boston, because I was moving to New York, and I knew I wasn't going to make money doing stand-up right away. So I met you. I think you were dating Fitzsimmons. Yes. How I do you did, like that? I dated him for how long? Four and a half years. I a knew you were going to go to that. <laughs> well, I've had him on the show before and I people know. know him. Yes, I dated him for four and a half years. And it, it, you know, it seemed to make sense back then I that you two him. were dating. Yes. You lived with him. Yes. He was a nice guy, wasn't he? Very. He's a nice kid in there in the midst of all that uh, weird aggression. Well, he aggression. had a terrible thing happen. That's what. That's why our relationship didn't necessarily make it all I didn't right. know about the terrible thing. Yes, you did. You didn't? What? His dad died. Oh, oh, oh yeah, dad, yeah, yeah, though, yeah. like... Yeah. Had a heart attack and died and out like, of nowhere. He, literally, he wasn't even talking to his dad. Oh, so no, so there was no resolution. No, and there. he's like, "I'm afraid, I'm afraid, my father's gonna die." I'm like, "He's not gonna die." And he died. Don't worry. Oh. And he died. And you were with him then? Yeah. Oh, that was rough. Yeah. So, all right, so let's go back to Southie because I, there, you know, you were in the fighter, mm-hmm. and when I talked to you, you were shooting it. I yeah. remember the last time I saw you, you were so excited. You're talking like yes, David O. Russell loves you because you were authentic. Yes. You like you. Well, were, I could tell you the story how I got the. Uh, we can swear on this, right? Of course. All right, so let me tell you how I got it, because right. I really, it's, because you know I grew up in Boston, fist fighting, crazy, like. Yeah, I want to get into that, because I've like i I've been obsessed and, and fascinated with Southie. Isn't that where you're from? Yes. Well, oh, Dorchester, which is right beside That's like even worse. Thing. Dorchester yes. to me is still frightening. Yes. Like it frightens me. When I, lived in, when I lived in Boston, I was so sure that the entire Irish community hated me. They probably did. Just because of who I was. No, I've dated guys where they're like, I can't even date you anymore because I hate Boston because they used to beat the shit out of me. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but seriously, I had to say Dorchester because they get so mad at me because the press always says I'm from Southie and the people, they email me and call me and they're like, you're not from Southie, you're from Savin Hill. Meanwhile, it's like, one street. People from Southie get mad? Every Well, m- mostly the people from Savin Hill because they want me to be the one that's... To promote... Uh, well, yeah, I'm the, from there. So the winner. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're the winner. You made it star. out. <laughs> She's famous. Oh, look at her. <laughs> but what was that like? I can't even imagine. Like Dorchester, in my mind, when I was there, it was just this hard, kind of like working class, you know, like bigoted, weird place. We, it is weird. It, it's, I don't know what the repression is. I can't even, I was back recently doing my show up there and I was like, what is it? It's like, and the guy, like it's the sexuality is very, very, very repressed. So it comes out all twisted and comes oh, out. Oh, really? Fight. Oh, bad. With with men and women? Yeah. Well, is it the, a Catholic thing? I think it is. Yeah. I think it's because it's so concentrated. It's so Irish Catholic and so, and then they put the Boston on top of it and it's like. Did you have, did you have relatives that were actually Irish? They had Irish? My grandmother was from County Mayo. So she's got an Irish mm-hmm. accent. Yep. How did the Irish accent become to what, whatever you have? This is lazy speech. Is that what it is? Yes. Because Irish Irish accents are so wonderful and lilty and nice. And then all of a sudden it's like, fucking hell. It's lazy speech. We say, ka. ka. But it's very, it's funny because when people try to mimic it, they think it's like overt and it's not. It's very subtle. 
Really? Yeah, even mind. though it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you say ka, it's yeah. just throw it away. It's yeah. not like ka, like how they do it or they oh, overdo like, like it. Like Steve Sweeney does it? Yeah, Steve yeah. Sweeney. Yeah. So, okay, so you're growing up there. So and- fist, crazy, crazy, crazy fist fighting. And then I start doing stand up, and the next thing I know, I'm in Hollywood. You didn't okay, so right. You started off, and you you only did stand up in Boston for a year or so, and then you went to uh, went to New York. I went to New York by accident. I got, I went to, uh, I had an open mic at Caroline's, like a bringer show, right? And I brought the old ladies that I I had to bring fifteen people. You brought the ladies you taught him. Yes, <laughs> that's all I had. That's the only people I knew. Before in New they York. turned on you. Yes, <laughs> maybe that's why they turned. <laughs> they saw your show and they were like, yes. "Fuck that, <laughs> filthy girl." <laughs> so I had to bring fifteen people. So I brought all the fifteen old ladies. Yeah, and it was just like what Andy Ingalls Monday Night Carolines. And I guess uh, what was the Luna Lounge they used right. to do? Luna Lounge got canceled. Yeah. And all the managers from that place came to Caroline's that right. night. So by accident, they saw me on stage. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm borrowing clothes from the old lady. I'm old ladies. I'm flying to L.A. having all these meetings with Ruthann. With Ruthann. Ruthann Secunda, who is my first agent, who is famous for taking new unknown talent, making them a lot of money, and then uh, seeing what happened. I made my money. I'm going to be on the record and say the reason why I got the deals I got is because I negotiated them. Right, but she she had a knack for finding talent. I mean, she, she was did. very good yes. at shepherding new yes. talent to executives and saying, "Look what I found you." Yes, and they go, "Here's a bunch of money." But a lot of people didn't get the deal that you got. I mean, you literally got an on-air commitment. Yes, I had uh, two but, deals before that, and then I got the show. But I got it all based on like I shot a pilot, then I got another pilot because of that, and then I got the show from that. Right. So it wasn't like I just it was all this you know uh, arbitrary. And and I I think what what happened to you is a fairly uh, I don't think I've talked to anybody that's happened to, and it's a fairly terrifying thing. That's not true. I talked to Tom Rhodes uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> but where you have a situation where you get a, a huge deal, it happened to Lenny Clark too, mm-hmm. where you have a huge deal, where you have an on-air commitment for what, 12 episodes, 13 mm-hmm. episodes, yeah. and then somewhere in the first five or six episodes, the executives decide that it's not working. Mine was a horror show. Mine was toted <laughs> as like the best sitcom, even Les Moonves. He's like, I I for would CBS. never- He, I had two deals with him and then I went to Fox. And he's like, I've never voted, like rooted for anybody else on another network. I want Sue Costello to succeed because that show is like- Awesome. Like that's they were like it's awesome even and then Mark McGuire hit a sixty second home run the night of the premiere. We had all this press, all this yeah. Push. So you blame the you blame Mark McGuire? Yeah, and then they find out he's on steroids. So it's like another drug addict ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> so no. you think that it happened after the like the like the premiere was the death knell? I mean, what was that? Was it called Sue? What was it? It was called, called Costello. No, they right. moved King of the Hill. Also, they thought it was so good that they moved King of the Hill. And the, and the, and it was your life basically, right? It was you were, my life. And you were like uh, trying to get your shit together. What was the angle? You were living with your parents, or living what? with my parents, and trying to better myself in Dorchester. Yes, trying to better yourself. Yes, and they didn't like it. And it was pretty. I think it was really fun. People still say like quote lines from it and everything. It was very sweet, right? You you were what trying to quit drinking and what trying what to just change in because I always because you were stuck in thing. this working class neighborhood and you wanted to get out or what? And my my thing was always to make fun of myself, which is what I always do. But yeah. they somehow turned it a little bit in terms of like making fun of the neighborhood and I kept trying to that was my struggle to say no let's make fun of me like yeah, it's yeah, funnier yeah. to make yeah, fun yeah. of me right 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 so uh, but but the interesting thing to me is that this this happened you were living high on the hog got yourself a place in New York and uh, LA I was living high I had yeah. Mercedes I had the whole thing you were one of those people isn't it interesting that when you come from a background like if I ever got a lot of money I would stick it in a hole 
That's good. But, but people that come from a, a working class background, they're like, fuck it. I'm like a I'm baseball here. player or yeah. a football player. <laughs> no, this guy called me the other day. He's like, Sue, because I'm writing a book. And he's like, Sue, I wanted to, to do a book with you when you were doing your show and you were managed by so-and-so. I go, oh, you mean that guy that I paid $30,000 for a steak at Dantana's? <laughs> <laughs> did you do that or that's the way you yes. look at him? That's what I did. I, I He managed me for like three weeks and I paid him $30,000. You fired him? He fired me as soon as the show got canceled. He what signed a... me as soon as the show was. Are you going to name names? Air. No, I don't oh, need to name names. He shit. knows who he is, and I'm going to see him again. <laughs> He's yeah. going to be sorry because I'm gonna... blowing up again. You're going back up to the top. Yeah. All right, so you had a place in LA. You had a place in New York. You bought Mercedes. Did you buy your parents a car and all that shit? I, I took care of my family a little bit, yeah. And then uh, and then it, it all just started to go away? It all Well, I pulled myself back. The show got canceled, and I pulled myself back to some extent. I made the decision, because I didn't want to be one of those desperate people running around trying, like, chasing it. Well, how'd you pull yourself back? What I does that stopped. mean? I just stopped. I just didn't do anything in Hall. I went and started writing my one-woman show. You went I, back to New York. Yes, and started working. I sat down at my computer, and I thought, I want to say what I want to say, and I know that I'm not like anybody else. And I have to tell you, Lawrence Fishburne, I did a movie with Lawrence Fishburne. And he said to me, Sue. And the other thing that was happening when I had the TV is I'm a dramatic actress. I went to school for theater. But you, once they're making that kind of money off you when you're doing stand-up, you can't. I mean, I got movies and everything while I was doing the show. And they were like, no, just do the TV. Really? Yeah. And Isn't that interesting? It was crazy. I mean, I have a story literally. Like, I got the movie Pushing Tin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that movie. I read for that movie about the air traffic controllers with right. John Cusack. Yes. And yeah, so yeah. I went into audition for that. And I literally was like, John. As his wife? Uh, as the. One of the wives? No, what? the bodybuilder. Oh, okay. One of the. Uh, one of the air yeah, traffic control. Okay. So I, I looked at the script. I was like, all oh, right, like I might get a movie with John Cusack yeah. and Billy Bob Thornton, right? Yeah. So I totally was fucking around. I, and I'm, I weigh like 100 pounds and I'm supposed to be a bodybuilder. So yeah. I go into the audition and I wear a t-shirt that says cranky on it, like a, like a tank top. Yeah. And I just flex my muscles the whole time I'm doing the audition. <laughs> I'm totally fucking around, right? <laughs> and I leave and they call me and they're like, Sue, you have to go to Toronto and meet Mike Newell. I'm like, what? Now I'm terrified. Yeah. Now I'm like, I was only fooling. Now yeah. I don't know if I can do it twice. <laughs> now I gotta go to the gym. <laughs> make some real muscles. So I get up there yeah. and I say, um, and I do, I, I meet him and he's oh, well, hilarious. Like we get along great. And then I go back to New York and, and the only reason why I wasn't gonna be able to do it is if Costello was shooting in the exact yeah, yeah, yeah. time. So I go back to New York and they say, so you got the movie. And I got to say, my ego did get a little like, I'm like, now I'm a fucking movie star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ego's fucked up. It is. I'm wrestling with mine now. Because he gets scared. I find that when I get scared is when my ego... My ego comes out. It's it's my protection. I'm like ah, so I pretend that I'm. But well, you start acting like an asshole. Yeah, I like, don't you, like you it. start being rude to yeah. people. My my patient, like mm -hmm. with me, I get my patience starts mm -hmm. to wear thin, and I don't have any tolerance mm -hmm. for like you know. It's like how the fuck did this happen? <laughs> like you become a prima donna, <laughs> right? And it's like all fear. Yeah, well, I know. And, and but what I'm the kind of guy when I when that happens to me, I can say things that resonate for years. Right. So I have to be careful. You can burn that shit to the ground R really quick. <laughs> that's how that's how good my delivery is. Right. So, okay, so what happened? So how do you rebuild? No, Because so, I remember you hit the wall. You were going, I remember you were with Chris, and then that relationship fell apart. And then, like, I felt that I, I was concerned for you. You were? I was, I'm all right. It was, that was the best thing. When I was with Chris, that was the best thing that ever happened to me when he left. He moved out of me when I was away for the weekend. Ugh. He sent me to call Montreal, and he's like, get Sue in Montreal. Get Sue in Montreal. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, he loves me. Yeah. And I was on, like, shitty shows. I wasn't even on the main stage shows yeah. in Montreal. And I would call him at home, and he's like, I love you. I'm watching the Mets game with my brother. Yeah. And I was like, I love you too. And then I came home and he acted normal. And then the next day he's like, I need to be alone. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you have to be alone now? You need to get your own apartment. He's like, what would you say if I told you I already got one? 
Wow. And I was like, what? You got your own apartment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I signed a lease. I'm like, you signed a lease? What? Yeah. And then uh, and when he was leaving, he asked me for a hug. Oh, God. And I remember sitting on the couch and I said to myself, first I said, no, Chris, you can't have a hug. Yeah. And it was, it was like the cha- the turning point of my whole life because I had just chased everything. I had no like, yeah. I just reacted to everything. Uh-huh. And that was the first time I was like, you know what? There's something wrong with me. Uh-huh. The whole equation during this whole story is me. <laughs> so you're talking about the whole arc, the success, everything else that, you know, that when, when that dude left you, you were like, I got to reevaluate. Yeah, because my show, my show got picked up and my younger brother that I've been like totally tight with Irish yeah. twins my whole life broke his neck in a drunk driving accident oh, Christ. while the show was on the air. On, when, when the TV show was yeah, on? Yeah, so normally it would have been hard to be the producer of my own television show normally, but yeah. he was like lying in Boston almost dead in a hospital room. So it was like- Is he dead? No, he's paralyzed though from the <sighs> chest down. Yeah, it Is was it, painful. Yeah. Is he, or, or, he's is he doing functioning? Good. Yeah. yeah, he goes on Match.com. He has a girlfriend now, but he, he I was just saw him. He's like, yeah, I got to tell you my Match.com dates. I'm like, you go on Match? <laughs> I don't even have a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and he's getting some success? Yeah, he's doing good. All right, so what was what, what was it that... I'm only asking for my own personal, because I've, I've had moments like that, but I don't seem to uh, quite learn from them as much as perhaps I should, That where you realize that there is something fundamentally wrong with you, emotionally or whatever. I mean, what do you do to change? I just finally went in. I was like, all right, I'll do whatever it takes. And I knew what it was going to take. I knew I was going to have to lose everything. I knew. I knew. I was like, I'm ready. And literally, I lost everything. My uh-huh. house, money. I slept on my friend's couch. Like, literally. No. I lived with an old lady. Really? Yeah. 89-year-old lady on the Upper East Side. And how did you... So what was the battle on a day-to-day basis? Not feeling sorry for yourself? Or were you... Keep oh, producing, because I was writing the show at the time, and that takes a lot of energy. The first show Anyways, or the second show? This show, this one-woman show that I have now that I've been working on for the 10 years. Oh, okay. So this is the same one that I saw pieces of a yes. few, like a couple years yes. ago. Same and it's thing. called what now? Minus 32 million words. What's it, what, what's, where's that title come from? Because the show's all about how we fist fought growing up and we didn't communicate correctly. And then I read an article in the New York Times that said that poor kids hear 32 million less words than rich kids. Oh, so it was... So it's all about losing, using your words, which is what we're talking about when you get scared. Right. When you get successful, how do you communicate and say, excuse me, hold on a second, can you wait a minute, can you? Yeah, or there's also that thing about not really, like, if I'm good and I'm sober-minded, I can realize that certain things are out of my control, mm-hmm. but when I'm not, I'm like, it's like fucking nuts. It's like, like a, your nervous system, like when they hit the bull and they go with the bull, like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I feel like. I'm like, ah, yeah. ah. Everything's personal. You know, even, you know, eat problem with air travel, that's personal. Why me? You know what I mean? Why, why like, I start making connections and right. things like, yesterday sucked too, this is the second day, so it's got to be, a, you know, somebody's trying to tell me something. Right. And I don't really have a, a, a strong belief in God, so I never know who's trying to tell me what. But the fascinating thing is you can actually manifest that. Yeah. You can actually make whatever your fear sure. is, and you make it happen, and then you're like, see? Yeah, of course. I win. See, I was right. See, because I have a fundamental belief that a lot of people have like an aversion to, to love and to niceness, and it doesn't have to be God. But I have a definite, we take ourselves down, the self-sabotage. That is the key to life, I think. Because I, I think you are going to, I think the key to life is realizing you are going to get fucked over. Because as kids, we're all vulnerable. I don't ever want to feel vulnerable again. I don't ever want to be hurt again. It's like, well. It's going to happen. Part of the maturation process is to be like, it is going to happen, so suit up. Yeah, and don't act like a child. No. Yeah, the problem is, is like I think that some of us, uh, the first time we got really hurt as a kid, mm-hmm. that we just shut down completely. So emotionally, we're, we're right there. Wherever <laughs> right. we shut down then. So now you're a grown person with a lot of other experience, and you have this horrendous anger of, an, of a five-year-old. Right. And you're, I'm like, I'm on airplanes going, I fucking can't believe this. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and then everybody else is thinking that too. Like I always think like people like, are you the mommy? Even in, in relationships like guys and girls and everything, it's like, are you the mommy? Fuck you. You're supposed to be the mommy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like everybody's looking for that. So well, what about this aversion to love? Because I need to know more about that because I have a really hard time receiving it. Like I, I literally, when people, like even now that I'm performing more or when people like me, I'm sort of like, yeah, you can't be right. You, you know what I mean? Like, or, or sort of like, fuck you. Do you like me now? Right. And they, they do like you. Like still? That's, well, the whole thing is like, yeah, they are going to fuck you over. Even if they like you, they're still going to fuck you over. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, but it doesn't you, mean you they're doing it on nothing. purpose. So no, I think they're not. If you think about your own, if you're using that kind of dynamic to protect yourself, yeah. then that's what they're doing. And that's what you're going to attract. But that, that's what you need to just tell them. And, stop. and it's amazing how many, I'm telling you, when I did the fighter, I got to tell you, David O. Russell, he's like a fearless director. Like, well, tell me the story. All right, so I go in, I audition to play one of the sisters. Yeah. Now, I'm from Boston. I fist fight. I make my way all the way to Hollywood. I've had this huge life. I've been on yachts in the south of France. I've been every... So I got this whole thing, right? Yeah. I, I shut down. I But rebuilt. not anymore. Now you got nothing. You sleep no, on a lady's I, couch. I shut down. Not anymore. Now I got a bed. I got a pink bed. Okay. <laughs> I'm moving up slowly. It's better slowly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so... Uh, so I go in and, and this is the first audition I've been on since I took myself out of the game. Yeah. Right? They put the camera on me and they're doing it. You know how they did the HBO documentary? Yeah. Well, that's how they were auditioning us. We okay. have to improv. Right. So they put the camera on me and they're like, what's your name? I'm like, Sue Costello. They're like, how tall are you? I'm like, five foot three. They're like, how much do you weigh? I'm like, 100 pounds. They're like, have you ever been in a fist fight? And I swear to God, it was like the heavens opened up. And I was like... My two worlds collided. I was like, have I ever been in a fist fight? And I was literally like, click, 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 trying to remember which which story should I tell them? Which story should I tell them? Which, which one did you tell them? So I said I was 18 years old, shit faced out of my mind in Faneuil Hall with my older sister who was at BU Law at the time. She had yeah. one semester maybe of moot court. Yeah. We're walking through. I'm drunk, my lazy eyes out. Yeah. I'm total punk, right? Yeah. And walking through a restaurant. Oh, this girl God. comes. I'm scared. <laughs> this girl comes walking towards us. She's like six foot seven. She has zippers all over her body. And my sister turns around. She says, don't you say a fucking word. <laughs> so the girl walks by and I, just underneath my breath, I go, <laughs> like that. Yeah. She turns around, sucker punches me, knocks me out cold in the middle of the restaurant. Going to kill me. She's like, Rah! Well, my sister's holding her back, using her moot court skills, like, calm down. My sister finally calms her down. I wake up, I called her a cunt, and she knocked me back out again. (laughs) So that that sounds like a one-sided fist fight. Were there any fist fights that you had where you got a few pops in? Oh, yeah. I've had tons. Well, usually I used to get beat up because I'm tiny. I had a big mouth, but I would always get beat up. So did you ever fight men? Um, No, not, no. So, like, when when did the fist fighting stop? When I... Moved to New York. Oh, okay. When I learned. I but, finally went to therapy, and they were like, it's never appropriate to put your hands on another human being. I was like, really? So you would just think your first reaction would be to Always. Fucking... I was so shut down. Like People would come up to me, and they'd be like, so you hurt my feelings. I'd be like, yeah, that's because you're a fucking loser. <laughs> I had no, because I had pushed it all so far down. And you were angry, though. It's oh. not just about pushing it down. Oh. Well, I mean, pushing down like any vulnerability, like any yeah, 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 any yeah. ability to see anybody. What, what, like, what are some other reasons you've gotten in fist fights? Because uh, I called everybody a whore. <laughs> <laughs> just... And they'd be like, did you call me a whore? And I'd be like, yeah, I called your mother one, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you were just fucking... We used to fight. There's a story, um, there's a, one of the scenes in my play, because yeah. the show is a one-person play, where we went to... Uh, Fan, we went to Dance Factory, which was where we used to go on the weekends in the in uh, where the hell's that in Boston. Which which it was a club on Lansdowne Street. It was huge. Oh, oh yeah, like huge. near uh, what were the other ones there? There was a nine or something. The Metro. Or, oh, the Metro. They used to have under twenty one nights where we used to go. That's uh, actually where the fight happened. It didn't happen at Dance Factory. We went and uh, my friend Trisha used to. Are like, you going to change your show now? To what? No, okay. Dance Factory's funny. Okay. <laughs> they uh, she used to take the lighter and 
flick girls' hair. Instead of a fight. Sends them. Singe yeah, the yeah, hair. Yeah. And so she did it at, at the Metro one night. Yeah. And they got into a fight with black girls from Roxbury. Yeah. And uh, me and this girl, Christine, went in the bathroom oh to my call. God, it's a history of Boston. Yeah. We went in to call the bro- her brother to pick us up because yeah. we were in trouble. Oh, really? And the black girls came in the bathroom and locked the door and beat the shit out of me and Christine like crazy. Really? Banged our head off the toilets. Oh, shit. So you were bloodied? We woke up the next day. We had bruises all over ourselves. Oh, fuck. And that was the end of it, though? There was no, like, we're going to get We went kid back, kid. but they weren't there. You went back to the yeah. club? Yeah, and the next night, we kept going. That's one of the lines. Everybody's like, Sue, that's one of the funniest lines in the show. I tell this whole violent story, and I'm yeah. like, fucking chased him with the empty root beer schnapps bottle. And I was like, hey. I go, no, that wasn't it. Uh, fucking Trisha sends the hair on the way out. It was fucking hilarious. We're going back again tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you never got him? No. We just fought someone else. All right, so you're in the audition. Okay, so I tell so that story, story, right? Yeah. So now I never have the self-esteem to call somebody and say, what's going on with the role? I usually wait to see if they call Are me. Are you represented at this point? Nothing. I haven't been represented. I've been doing oh, all so this Oh, so you're myself. really scrapping. You got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> doing <laughs> it all. Like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I call the casting director, the assistant, and I go, what's going on? She's like, Sue, I, we don't know what we're doing, but I have to tell you, David O. Russell has told every single person he's met your cunt story. So I was like, yeah. So then they bring us up to Boston, and they have five of us in the room, and he's auditioning us. And, uh, for the sisters. For the sisters. And he's doing the same thing. He's asking us questions. So he has two girls sit down, and then he has two girls sit down, and then he's like, let's see Sue by herself. Now, I'm in the room with the other girls. You don't usually audition. I'm like, me by now, myself. Now, who are those girls? Because they look like the real deal to me. They are. The, those girls that you saw are the- uh, just, In the movie. Yeah, they're, they're just girls. girls yeah, from, they're just girls yeah. that he put together, and then he shot them as one- which is brilliant because if you think about it, the, the sisters probably didn't have a lot of identities growing up. Right. I mean, that is. I mean, look at and Dickie's getting all the attention. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Because Christian played him. Yeah. It's like literally mimicking life. Right. So, uh, so he goes, "Let's see Sue by herself." So I'm like, "Me by myself," and I've gotten really strong because of doing the one woman show over and over again. Yeah. So I go, "All right, I'll sit down." So he goes, "So tell me about your drug problem." So right away, I'm like, "My drug problem," but I, but it's, we're pretending that this camera is an HBO camera. So I'm yeah. thinking, if I'm sitting here, I'm supposed to be talking about my brother, and this fucking guy's going to ask me about my drug problem. I'm not going to be happy, but I'm not going to let this camera pick up that I have a drug problem. You know yeah, what I mean? So sure. I stop defending. Yeah. Like what? What did you say? I was just like, you're supposed to be asking. I'm like, I don't have a drug problem. I don't know. I'm like, he's like, well, people are talking about you. I'm like, well, I don't know what they're talking about. And he got me to the point that I turned my head. My neck was all red. And they said it was like silent for like five minutes. And I turned around mm-hmm. and I looked at him. I go, are you supposed to be fucking asking me that? He goes, I don't know. What do you want from me? People are talking about you. And his phone rang. Yeah. Now, you know, if somebody answers their phone when you're. Yeah. I mean, imagine being on an interview and something. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was yoga. I don't know if it was all my therapy. I don't know if it was because I was stripped down. I just fucking went for it and I jumped out of the chair and I go, fuck you. I go, you're going to fucking answer your phone. You can ask me about my drug problem. You're going to answer your phone. Fuck you. And his face dropped and he took the phone. And he goes, what do you want me to do? It's my son. I go, I don't give a fuck who it is on the phone. Go fuck yourself. And you go fuck yourself too. And he tells the girls, he's got the phone in one hand. He tells the girls to come grab me and bring me out. And Jill, what's her name from uh, Gone Baby Gone, is standing there. She's like, see, you're fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I got out. To the bathroom, and I literally was like breathing. I was like, <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what even happened. Yeah. And so then I come out of the bathroom, and we could tell that those- you went into a real rage. I totally freaked out, <laughs> but in character. Yeah, in character, you. Meaning, I didn't step out. If I stepped right. out and said "fuck you," he would have been like, "get out." You just tapped into what you were and pushed it through. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. And I could, I had a couple of choices. I could have went like, oh, okay, answer the phone. Yeah. And I would have went home with all the other girls that went home in that room. Right. I wouldn't have got the part I got. 
You got the the crack whore part, right? So then, so then I'm standing outside, and we can tell that we, I didn't get the pot. I'm right. like, how did I not as get the a pot? sister? Yeah, I'm like, because I could tell the other girls got it, and all of a sudden, Sheila Jaffe went, whips the door open, and she's like, "Where's Sue Costello?" Yeah, and she comes up and she holds me by the face, and she's like, "Sue, you're gonna play a crack addict. You're gonna play. You're gonna play Christian Bale's girlfriend." Because initially, the script was that I was gonna be the girlfriend. Right. They changed it to an Asian girl, and I was like, "I am." She's like, "Yeah, he was auditioning you to play a crack addict." I'm like, "He was." <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea, and then I talked to my friend who's a crack addict. He's like, Sue, that was perfect because that's exactly what a crack addict would do. They would find one thing. Yeah. And they deny the drug problem and then they and snap then, over something else. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't even know. Wait, I just did it. Who knew that you had the you had the, the core of an addictive personality? <laughs> yeah, who knew that? <laughs> Displacing blame. Not you. It's not me. It's you. So now in 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 the big picture, you know, I, I saw the movie. I watched it twice. And you're you're definitely there, but were you disappointed at all? Not at all. That you weren't there more. Oh, look at how you're trying to lead me with that question. How would I ever be disappointed? I'm in an Oscar award winning. I mean, yeah, Oscar award winning. Actually, it was nominated. Oh, for I, best I, I, what, what do you mean lead you with that question? I'm just talking about like I'm thinking about me. I did one movie part. It was almost famous. You know, it was about a minute and a half scene, and there was part of me that wanted to be in more than movie. No, I love it. I'm psyched. I'm just using it to keep going. I, I did my show the other night. I got so much attention. At Largo. Mm-hmm. How'd it go? I was going to go. I got a standing go, I, ovation. Really? In L.A., Mark. Yeah. And let me tell you, you're going to love it because it's totally, I don't fuck around. No, I no, I, I saw parts of it and I was going to go the other night, but I had to do my own show and I'm sorry I didn't go. That's all right. How many people were there? I don't know, about 60. Oh, that's sweet. It's a nice room, right? I just threw it together. We did it in the smaller room. We did it in the little, in the well, side what, room. Well, what's your hope? I, I want to do it on Broadway eventually. Uh-huh. And I want to do another TV show. Yeah. Which is what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, well so really? So you're going to, yeah. you're in talks? Yeah. Look That's why I'm not disappointed about the fight. I'm like, what's up? I know I had people literally call me from Toronto, like movie people, and they're like, and because that's what it did. All it did was give give me a little bit of a bump back, and everybody's like, oh yeah, Sue Costello, it's perfect. So I had this girl call me from Toronto. She's like, Sue. As soon as I heard it's 11:45, Dicky, I was like, Sue Costello's in that fucking crack house. So they all, it's not like they didn't see me. No, uh-huh. it's great. No, I saw you. You were great. Yeah. So now, so everything's falling into place? Everything's falling. I mean, I can't even believe the timing because I, I sat down to write this show with pure blind faith. I had no idea that, I had no idea anything anybody would ever talk to me again. Why did you pick that? It's just sort of interesting to me because, I mean, I know what it is, but in that moment where you would hit the skids, that you made a conscious decision to, to just, you know, get humble. Mm-hmm. And and what what was the decision process that you know you just weren't being true to yourself or you wanted to take control of yourself or you wanted to learn something about yourself? I mean, I can't imagine the heartbreak of 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 a career you know just sort of you know burning down like that. I mean, I, I like when I didn't I, care that much. That's what was you so weren't weird you never you went you never went through a depression where it's suicidal well, or like fuck this not suicidal, but no, I it actually fueled me to be because it made, it almost got me to the point that I was like I've not the thing that I was lucky is that I got it early on in my career and I was very young. So when I got there, I was lucky to see like, oh, this is it. This is what everybody was talking. I remember saying to the camera guy, I go, you're telling me that I'm going to get here at six o'clock in the morning and I'm going to leave at two o'clock in the morning in this big airplane hangar. And if this show is successful from three months from now, I'm not going to be able to go outside because I'm going to be so famous that I'm not going to be able to talk to anybody. Yeah. And that idea of how when they make you famous, they make you not human. Because I feel as a stand-up, that's what makes us us. So if you're going to disconnect me from what makes me live, yeah. I can't do, I can't. So I, so I was lucky in that sense to be able to be like, well, that's not what I want. So I have the balls like nothing. And then you lose all your money. You're like, fuck it, what are you going to do me now, bitch? Right. <laughs> but also you seem to be, you have a lot more vulnerability. I don't know how yes. you got it. But like when I saw it, 
you're like a different person than I remember. I mean, you always talked about your life, but you know, there was a sense that, and I think the reason that even the, the small portions that I saw really work is that you almost have like a, you know, a, a childlike vulnerability mm-hmm. to it. Well, that's what happened to me in life. I went back to being the kid, but I still have that person from, it's all together now. Like I still have that Boston, like I was, I just had breakfast with Molly Shannon and I was telling her the difference now is like, she's like, what do you want to do? So I'm like, I want to like build a brand. I like doing the business part of it. And being a woman, it's not always, there's that extra element when you're talking to a guy, it might as well be the girlfriend or the mother or something. There's always that extra thing where you have to really learn how to be like. Just not take it personally. Like, even with David when he was directing me, like, you could tell he loved it. He's like, Sue, come fucking, come here. Yeah, yeah. And I would be like, okay. Like, if there was no, like, oh. Yeah, why is he yelling at me? You, yeah, none. It's not <laughs> he, your problem. No, and we were shooting a big movie in 33 days. Like, yeah. just get it done. And so my freedom, and I, I, him and Christian were both just looking at me like, what is that? Not too big, not too small. I was just right there. And I was actually enjoying myself. Grateful. So grateful. I can't even tell you. So grateful. But yes, I've returned to that that child, and I used to not like it. If people told me I was cute, if they told me I couldn't, no. But there's almost something. It, it's not it, it, not in a bad way, but like the the vulnerability of, of somebody that comes from your past and and being such a, a scrapper and an angry, edgy person, somebody who wouldn't take any shit. Yeah, when you see that you're all open and that I think that all of us, especially defensive, angry comedians, are sort of in an, in a state of a, of arrested development. That mm-hmm. I think we're really childish. Mm-hmm. That like when I really, if I really let myself open up, I'm like a, like a 13 year old boy. You know, I, I'm shy. I'm easily hurt. You know, I'm kind of excited. But if anybody says you know anything slightly critical, I fucking just shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, how was it that you were able to move through that type of emotional? Um, disposition and not get hurt because I realized my I gave myself a break. Okay. Once I realized that I was that human, because what I was doing was I was defending against my own humanity, so I didn't want to see it in anybody else. It's almost like why you even if it was very young and you knew it was very young, so you just thought that if I let this kid out and and know that that the, that I'm a grown person that's going to take care of this kid, that it, the only thing that could happen is I grow up. Right. And I and I had to let it be really, really painful at first. Right. I had to let those feelings. They say it's like if you push down those childhood feelings, when they first come up, they are intensely painful because they're childish. So right. So it's like to give yourself enough courage to do it, to trust that if you do it, you can eventually take care. Of it. And I can do it. People, and I'll tell you, people. Lo- I mean, Jim Brewer, he didn't show up. I did that Hope Trump that storytelling event I did with you. Yeah. He didn't show up, and this kid Noel, he runs all. He runs a Jerry Seinfeld show now, and everything. Yeah. And he said to Jim, he said. Uh, Jim, I'm good buddies with Sue Costello. And Jim's like, Sue's mad at me. And Noel's like, oh, don't worry about it. Sue gets mad at me too. She'll get over it. And I thought, that's the best compliment you could ever give me. Yeah. I'm not full of shit. I get mad. I don't hold on to it forever. Yeah. It's like, so I always thought that if I was vulnerable and I showed that goofiness, that it would repel people or they would hurt me. And it's the complete opposite. And I was like, oh, it was the love I was afraid of. Yeah. I was so afraid that if I... I didn't know that. I was tricking myself. Well, I, when I feel it, when I feel it coming at me or if I feel received when I'm vulnerable, like I don't even know what to do with it. You feel like, like It's uncomfortable. The way I describe it is that it was like I used to play if me and you were playing catch yeah. and you threw the ball at me, yeah. I would let it hit my chest and fall on the floor. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that's easier than... I just didn't even know how to hold it and give it back. I didn't yeah. know how to do any of it. I had no idea. Why is that? Where'd you come from? I got beat up all the time. By your parents? Everybody. Everybody fought. That's another line in my show when I finally realized that when I went to a therapist. I'm like, everybody fought. 
I'm like, your mother fights, your father fights, your grandmother fights if she still can. And then I'm like, of course the boys don't mind. Who would they go out with? So Right. Like so, She's like, what did the boys say? So I'm it was like, like the opposite of nurturing. So there was no way for you, even if you, like if somebody was to approach you with a, with a reasonable uh, emotional uh, disposition and, 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 care, and care about you, that would be like, you know, you're fucking with me. I'll tell you two of the hardest things that I ever had to face in my own, you know, because that's what we do. We don't want to see ourselves. Two of the hardest things that I ever had to feel when I was in therapy was one of them was she told me, I bet you people have been nice to you your whole life and you haven't seen it. Uh. That was, I, I literally, it took me like five days to even, because she was right. Because I like telling the story. I'm the girl that got fucked over. I'm the girl that, because okay. who am I going to be? So in that moment, who'd you think about? Everybody. I mean, if I think about Les Moonves, the guy used to call me at home. Lawrence Fishburne called me while I was in therapy. She's like, Sue, answer the phone. I'm like, oh. She's like, do you think that... Lawrence Fishburne calls everybody at home. I'm like, I don't know. Were there people in your childhood though? I mean, you know, not you know, not the head of CBS or you know, major motion picture star. I mean, did you find that it was a theme all your life? Did you alienate yes. people that cared about you? I was always very loving. Yeah. Since I was a kid, my main goal was to have everybody feel good. But yeah. after a while, if you can't beat them, you might as well join them. Right. So I shut down and became them, almost like a gang mentality. Right. So you were the kid. How many sisters and brothers? I have two sisters and a brother. Okay, so you were the one that's sort of like, come on, stop fighting, come on, stop fighting. When I was really little. Right, and then yes. you're just like, fuck it. You can't, like, what are you going to, nobody's, no one's going to change, no. sure. And now, as an adult, I never knew how much courage it was going to take to talk about love. <sighs> I didn't know that. I didn't know people would be like, we're not like you. <laughs> well, I didn't what, know I was going to have to maintain and stay. Well, what's, a, what's been the response from your, your family? I, I come, I told you where I come from, right? Yeah. Last Saturday, I went to Boston. Yeah. Me? Lonnie and Jim Costello went to yoga. Who's those are your my well, mother and father? You did. I literally, I was like, I met yoga with my. Pa- I literally like three days. Had I was they, like, I'm gonna fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna cave in. I because that that's what I'm talking about. Had tolerating they, that. Had they been before? <laughs> my father has. My father worked out his whole life. My mother hadn't been as much. Uh huh. It was so profound. I'm like, we were crazy growing up, screaming, fighting, sneaking out of the house. Is everybody sober? Nobody. <laughs> No, my father doesn't drink. Uh huh. So, but were there like I just picture like, like now when I see my parents, you know, especially my father, you know, if it gets emotional, you know, if 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 he thinks about the past, that you know, he sort of comes a little you know emotionally unhinged. Mm-hmm. Like he he can't even really take responsibility for it. No. He makes it in his yes. own fault. And, yes. I mean, does that happen? Well, I I separated. I stopped talking when I when I decided to do this whole like take Be care you? of myself thing. Yeah. I stopped talking years to my ago? family. Well, it was five years after that I stopped talking to, I had to stop talking to my family. And you tell them that or you just stopped? You just said, did you say, look, I'm not, I can't. I told my mother, you have to treat me with respect. I can't talk to you. And she said, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't have to tell they her. Don't I just know. had they, to be they, it. They're no. just in their system. They're but I had their... to be it. Right. That's what I didn't understand because I was stuck in that hole expecting everybody to, I was still that little girl. Like, right. And so what I had by by stepping away and doing what I did, I realized, oh my God, I don't need them to. I didn't have to take care of them because that was what I would do. I would either like want them to do it, or I would completely compulsively take care of them so I didn't have to look at anything. I had a therapist say to me once that uh, you know you can train your parents because after a certain point mm-hmm. they will abide by your conditions because they want to have a relationship yes, with you. Yes, and that's the other thing. I love my. I'm not a person who cannot talk to their family. Right. Period. How long did you not talk to him? Four or five years. Really? At mm-hmm. all? Mm-mm. Not even like I'm okay? No, and that's when I was. I had no money. 
I was sleeping with the old lady. I was like a mess. Were you? But how much of that came from shame? Shame of not talking to them. No, I mean, first of all, shame is the main everything. It is. Yes. No, but I mean, like, did you? Was your decision to not talk to him like completely based in you know I need to you know find myself or was it like you know look at me look what I ended up? No, 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 never. I never even had that. So what kind of shame did you have? I oh I had shame growing up like from my pure existence. Uh huh. I remember going into therapy one day and saying to my therapist, "Listen." We got to deal with this veil of shame that's over. I'm ashamed of every single, and Wait, it's crazy to change. It, like, it's it, hard to understand shame though, because like you know, I like there's a couple of things that I didn't understand until recently because of relationships I got into. Like boundaries is a word that we all throw around, but you know, to really realize that you don't have them and what it means to have people, you know, fuck with them. I didn't really know the details of that. It's real shit, and shame, you know, is really that that horrendous sense of be, not being good enough. Being completely insecure. Uh, it doesn't have to be event based. It can be just how you're wired. That you were never given, uh, you know, the, the the sort of support that would enable you to have self esteem. Well, to be seen. Think about what we do for a living. I'm a fucking comedian. Yeah, we and go I was out hiding and, in public. Yeah, we go out and demand people to parent us. But I. But we didn't. <laughs> but we don't. They don't. We don't really let them see us. That's. So crazy! I've been letting I've been letting them see me. That's awesome! Like I like watching you on the Twitter. I laugh so hard. I can see you start spinning. I'm like, I know what's happening. It gets overwhelming, and then you're like, I'm sorry. I love when you say I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, t- I had to pull out altogether. I got tired of fighting. I get I get it very. You can't fight with them. No, I know, but it's like it's so immediate. It's like a drug. You right. know, when you get that that the Twitter immediate gratification thing is insane. Yeah. So when I start doing like, you know, like I'm tweeting at, like if I'm on a plane and I got nothing to do, forget about it. <laughs> like I'm fucking, you know, 900 tweets later, people have been dragged through this scene with me. All right, so okay, so when did you first start going to the therapist? I went to and which is funny because the therapist ended up turning on me too. Come on. Yeah, bad taking How long advantage ago? of me money. What that you, was the last thing. That when was you still had thing. money? No, just recently. Like, really? When I How was living it? with the old lady. I, I'm telling you, Mark, two years ago, right before I got the fighter, I was lying in a twin bed living with a fucking 89-year-old lady who tortured me every day of my life. Why and my were you in that situation? And you know what's so profound about it? It's because I went down to nothing and I rebuilt and I had to learn how to like say to the old like the old lady why were you with an old lady? You got, you I had live? nowhere to live. I had no money. Wait, so you had to pick an 89-year-old lady that abused you? I didn't know she was going to abuse me till I got in there. Where, what was the situation? She had a room in her house or what? I needed to get off my friend's couch. All right. And this is in New York where? She lived on the Upper East Side, the old lady. Okay. And you just found it, what, on Craigslist or what? No, no, no. A girl from yoga said this guy's mother usually has somebody live with her on the Upper East okay, Side. Okay, okay. I needed a place to live. I had no money. My therapist was like, you'll figure it out. That's the whole idea of like... Re- reaching down deep and seeing if you can okay, so you, you 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 hook up with this old so, lady and learning how to use, like we said, use your words, negotiate. People have to hear things three times. It's exhausting for a while. Yeah. So I said, uh, I told the guy, I said, listen, I can live with your mother. I don't have any money. I can pay utilities. If she's just looking for somebody to stay with her, then I'll stay with her. Yeah. Which was the shame, like horrible, to even saying that. He comes back and he's like, yeah, she said okay. Uh-huh. So I go up to meet her. Yeah. She's like, okay. So it's gonna be a thousand dollars a month, and I was like, my shame, my nerve. I was yeah. like, I don't have a thousand dollars. I don't know what to tell you. I can't. She's like, wait, I want you to live with me, and I'm like, well, I can't afford a thousand dollars. And she's like, well, figure out what you can pay and and let me know. Ugh. So I leave and I tell her two hundred dollars. I didn't even have the two hundred dollars, yeah. and I told her, I said, and I don't have it the first month, but I'll have it for you, eventually. 
I got, and then I finally realized she was taking advantage of the fact that I had no money, like an old lady, an eighty-nine-year-old lady. So I move in with her. I stay in the room, and of course, the whole time she's torturing me. But, but, like, didn't you know right away? What, like, I mean, I, I'm just curious because of my own situation. Did you feel like you couldn't make another choice at that moment? I mean, you know, like you, you realized it was shitty right from the beginning. Did you feel like you deserved that treatment? No, I or? had to get it done. That's all right, all, all I right, could do. All right, all right. I had right. to suck it up and get it done is what I had to do. But was that the first place you went? Yeah, but I had to move quick. <laughs> I'm trying to remember why. Because I had to move quick from okay. the couch. all right. Yeah, it was like tomorrow. Okay, all right, all right. All right, so... so but it so, wasn't so... I mean, I lived in a... I had a huge bedroom, like it was But it was what, how setup. did she beat you But up? it's so funny. I said, all I need is a desk and a bed, and guess what I got? A desk and a bed. I swear to God. <laughs> 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 so maybe I wasn't aiming high enough, but that's as much as I could handle. I really believe that you can only handle so much. But how did she? How did she punish you? How did she? Oh, she tortured me all the time. But we used to have fun. I mean, she was funny. I'd get all dressed up. She'd be like, "Ah, glamour puss is going out again." <laughs> <laughs> was she a Jewish lady? Oh yeah, no. she looked like the grandmother on uh, Fran Drescher's show with the big glasses. <laughs> oh my god! But she loved me. She's like, and one time she's like, I told her to stop torturing me. I said, "What? You torturing me, boy? Because you're 89 and you're gonna die. And you don't have a relationship with me because you're sad." I go, why, what if I lived like that? that? I just got sad. You said that. Like she laughed. Said. So She just looked at me. My therapist said, so you're the only human being on earth who could make an, the angriest old lady treat you like a human being. <laughs> so to my, to speak to it, it was beneficial to my growth inside. Yeah. To be able to negotiate. And then when she kicked me out. She's like, you got to leave. And I made her pay me to get out. <laughs> so the money stuff was a big deal for me. She paid you to get out? You're like, I'm not leaving? Well, they didn't want her to die and for me to be in the big apartment in the Upper East Side. So I knew what was my deal. I was like, I started just to learn. Like, even when I made all the money with the TV, I never valued myself enough. The money was an extension of my value. So once I started to learn that I was valuable, yeah. the money started to clear up. So now, okay, so how did your therapist turn on you? That's a curious story. Oh, my story. God. So, so you're with this woman how long? Six years. Uh, yeah. And she was great for like four or five. Okay. Can, you know, Helped you out. Very much. Yeah. Taught me stuff that I just never even... Even one day, that I was going to tell you the two things. So the first thing she told me was... I bet you people have been nice to you. The other time is girls have always stole my boyfriends because I always feel like I look like a loser boy inside. Yeah. So they would pick up on it and they'd say, Sue, guys give you a lot of attention. Yeah. And then they would go get the guys. Yeah. And I would not, I'd be oblivious. Right. So I was telling one of these stories in therapy one day and I was like, oh, I don't mind. Oh, it's okay. It's, you know, and so she just shifted in her chair a tiny bit and she goes, well, somebody has to get the last piece of cake. And it was like from the tip of my toes to the top of my head. And I was like, I want the last piece of cake. So for whatever reason, the way she described it. What does that mean? That if there's a last piece of cake on the table, somebody's going to take it. Why can't it be me is what she was telling me. As opposed to not getting any cake. I was saying you can have it. Like yeah. if somebody, oh. if, however she said it, because she knows my compassion for people. Like yeah. I always want to be compassionate. Yeah. So she knew I struggled with that. So the fact that it was like, well, somebody's going to, it. whatever it did, it shifted. It got it, uh-huh. that thing inside of me that I needed to. Yeah. Get back. Yeah. That drive. Yeah. That I had when I first started doing all this. You the deserve the last piece of cake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then. So she was great with a lot of that stuff. And then what happened was when I stopped having, uh, when I had a hard time with money, uh-huh. she said, you, you can owe me the money because uh-huh. you need to see that somebody can be nice to you. Right. Now, she's a therapist. I'm a person who's never, who thinks I've never let anybody be nice to me, right? Right. So I'm like, okay. So then it starts going on and on for a while. And her, and her husband used to be down the hall. And out of nowhere, she switched offices one time. Like, out of nowhere. And yeah. you know, they fucking talk about if you clip your toenail for six weeks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything's yeah. like, let's talk. So I remember saying to her, like, how could you switch offices like this? How could you take such a sacred place and not talk about Like, I knew something was going on. Right. And she said, uh, I said, are you going through a divorce? 
and she did something like, what does that have to do with you? Uh-huh. Which you think, oh, my shame. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but yeah. realistically, it wasn't like I was asking. It you was happening. Be able to, it was able. happening. Okay. Right? So then it goes on a while and I started to get stronger and stronger with my career. I could feel yeah, it building yeah. up and I wasn't making money still. Yeah. And one time I did a show and uh, they didn't treat me right at the show. I did my one woman show. Okay. I produced the whole thing myself. Where'd you do it? At the Cherry Lane. I can say it because it got closed. Yeah. They didn't treat me right with the whole thing. With and the I, money and everything? Everything. You directed it? Everything. Really? Everything. Yeah, well, how come you didn't want to bring in the director? I'm going to now. Okay. I just wanted to wait till it wasn't sure, emotional because sure. okay. I didn't want to be all. Well, you don't want to fight with the director. Don't drama. I didn't yeah, yeah, want yeah. it. So, um, so I, ca- I remember I said to my therapist, I want to tell her that that wasn't appropriate. She's like, do you really want to fight with her? Do you want to fight with her? I oh, just right. wanted to tell the lady it wasn't appropriate right. the way she treated me. And, uh, I, and I just went home and I was like, the first time I had stopped listening to everything she said. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I do. And I emailed the lady. All I said was like, I, that really wasn't cool, you know. Yeah. She gave me all my money back. So I was like, I have all this money. She just told me not to do that. And I just did it and it wasn't even a fight and I just got all this money. I have no money and she's telling me not to argue and I got this money. I'm like, what the fuck? And I tell her, don't fuck, I need money. Right. So uh, then she starts telling me that people are jealous of me because I'm so put together. Your therapist? Yeah, and I'm like, why are they jealous? If they're so jealous of me, then what's going on if I, if I don't have any money? How could I be so put together and not be able to take care of myself? That's right? weird. It was so, and it started getting weirder and weirder and weirder. She's making it personal. She's chipping away at you and, and trying to. Uh... She, so I start to figure. So everything that she. This is the end of the show, my one woman show, because the whole show is about stopping using your fists, using your brain, and and controlling your impulses. Yeah. I go into the office and I figure out that what she was doing is she was going through a divorce. Yeah. She didn't want the husband to see the money. Right. So she said I could owe it to her. Right. She was going to control when she built me back up when I was successful. Right. Didn't even keep track of the money, so when I was successful, she could make me feel guilty and give her more money. Uh-huh. And I went in and I said it right to her face. And what'd she say? She went... <laughs> like that? She became an animal? <laughs> like that. That's how she was breathing. So you, you got it on the head? I totally got it on the head. Did she admit to it? She didn't admit to it. She just stopped breathing and you left when she was breathing like that? You walked out. Yeah, well, I told her. I said, I'm not going to do it because I knew if I got into all the shit with her, then she could do her old therapy thing and be like, oh, you know, let's talk about that. Right. But that's the change in my whole life where I'm like, no, I'm not going to fight you so we can talk about how, why I fought and, and make a shame out of myself. Look right. Because like, that's how people take advantage of you. You act like an animal, they can act better than and take advantage. I was like, I'm not doing it. And I sat across, and it was the first time I ever, like she had control over my psyche. Do, the courage it took to sit there and tell her that I knew that that was what was going on. Yeah. And I left and I went home. It was Christmas time. I got in that twin bed at that old lady's house and I thought I was going to fuck it. I was like, God, are you <laughs> fuck? I how My show got canceled. My brother got paralyzed. My boyfriend moved out of me. I lost my house. My therapist is fucking. I'm like, I, how, I can't get any worse. Yeah. I was like, it can't. And then what happened? Sure enough. What? It was like I almost had to like take care. Stop sure enough looking for people. It all took off right after that. I got the movie. I did that storytelling event. I started doing my show. My show's starting to get really successful. I got all the great reviews in Boston. Yeah. Oh, good. It was like I, I've been using my whole life trying to find these people. Uh, yeah. Shady people that like. They just come, dude. It's like an, it's whatever you're putting out, you're going to get back. And I wanted somebody. I didn't want to be. I just didn't want to be responsible for myself is the only way I can describe it. Well, I definitely remember a change. I mean, you became, you know, very sort of like there was a period there where I'm like, um, she's acting as if. Because she's got to. My friends say to me that, and the craziest part is when I had no money and everything, I couldn't even get comfort from people because if I told anybody, all they'd say is, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, because it's everybody's biggest fear. But like there was that, like, because I I think that was the time where I was a little concerned about you because I'm like, because part of my brain was like, 
how can she be, you know, like, the, and the, the idea that your therapist said, you know, you, people were jealous of you because you got it together. Like, I saw what was going on. I'm like, you know, like when you were at, you're like, everything's fine, Mac. And, and I knew that, like, you know, you may have been in, in the middle of this thing where it probably wasn't necessarily fine, but you weren't going to act any other way. I never complained to anybody ever. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? People like, Sue, I had no idea. I'm like, what the fuck would that have done? I literally put it, I shut it down. I was like, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to get it done. And I'm going to, and I always say that when Chris moved out on me, that it didn't break my heart. It broke my heart open. I took that as an opportunity to be like. You should write a fucking self-help book. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm writing my my book of the show and it's, it's both. Did you ever think about doing like a, like a, a, a help show? Yeah. Because when I, when I do radio shows, they call in and they ask me questions. And I'm like, because if you always just come from a love place, like I can't solve the world, but I can tell you, you can't treat me poorly. Right. And I'll tell you that three times and you know what it's going to make you do? Right. Like me even more, which I never thought. I thought it would make people go away. Well, it depends on how persistent they are you, in treating you poorly. They don't care. I'm telling you. I now, the way up. Chris broke up with you, was that, is there any other way to break up with somebody? Yes, of course there is. Like what? Tell them. Have a conversation. Treat him like a person. I'm a person. Right. I lived. Yeah. I didn't die. Yeah. I never even talked to him again. I just talked to him recently. And how was that? Good. I mean, as good as it could be. I don't know. I saw him at Geraldo's wake, actually. Oh, I missed that. And he, this is this is how I can describe me. So he's like, hi, Sue. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not fucking doing hi, Sue. <laughs> you drew the line? I'm not going to fucking say idea. You moved out on me. So I called him and I was like, and I didn't know there's no way in a million. Wait, but you called him after that? After that. Because why? Because I was like, I'm not going to say hi to him. I'll tell yeah. you why, what I said to him. So I go, and I knew, I was like, I, my friends always laugh at me because I'm like, I have to express myself. I'm like, I don't care if anybody pays any attention to me. Yeah. I have to express myself. Yeah. So I call him up and I leave him a message. I go, Chris, listen, I go, I saw you the other night. I go, you're saying hi to me. I go, I can't talk to you. I go, I'm not even mad. I go, I understand. I even understand that you had to do what you had to do the way you had to do it. I go, the only thing that I can't do is if you want to continue to talk to me, you have to apologize for the way you did it. And that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, good luck with yourself. And I'm sorry about Geraldo and see you later. The next day. Yeah. Call me up with the most heartfelt sorry that I could have ever gotten. <laughs> really? Mark, I never thought in a million years I was ever going to get it. He's like, you're right. I'm sorry. No, no defense. No, nothing. And and now it's, you've let it go. Totally, I don't care anymore. I'm working at Gotham <laughs> on Wednesday. I'm headlining there on Wednesday. It was the best thing that ever happened to me, honestly. Uh-huh. So I don't get why would I be mad? I guess I should make it clear that he owns Gotham, and that's why that's that story. Yes. Yeah, he owns a comedy club. Yeah, I, you know, I I think that that actual letting go thing. Ugh. Plus, what the fuck was I doing? What am I doing with them? What no, am I no. doing with a guy who's that emotional that he's going to move out of me when I'm away? No, like, no, I that get that. But like, that. but how do you like, you know, I still have some trouble with that where, where you know, if I've got, if I'm brokenhearted, I've got some of that ache that like, you know, to honor that anger. To, like at that moment where you, you said, no, I'm not going to do It's not going to be like that. You know, because because basically you said I'm still I'm still angry. I don't accept. No, I'm still way. angry. It's just there's a way. You, you can't you treat me like that. that and then be my friend. Yes, right. my value of a, as a person. That's right. what happened. My value as a person. I'm valuable as a person. I don't just skim over things. But I'm, I'm surprised that I find that when I think that I've moved through things that like, you know, it, it, that when, I, when they're irritated, they're right there again. I'm well, still Because society mad. doesn't allow you to have... But how do you truly let something go? Because you got to go through it. I'm telling you, I was at my friend's house after Chris did it. And Chris was telling everybody all sorts of lies. I mean, it was crazy, however, because he, he was covering. He, he didn't think that I was going to never talk to him again. 
Right. I think he thought I was going to go decorate his new apartment for him. Right. <laughs> Which I would have done in the past. <laughs> Anything I could do. Sure. <laughs> Let me give you a hug. Let yeah, me. yeah. So, uh, so I was at my friend's house and I was so mad. And my therapist, because he was fucking with my career at one point too, like just to cover his own. And my therapist was like, Sue, you tell everybody what happened because you can't mess with your career. And I was with my friend from the South, and she's like, Sue, you're acting like a scorned woman. And I was like, I am a fucking scorned woman. I was like, I let myself be as... It's almost like you have to admit to how bad it is in order to feel the... I think feel like society, we're always like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, I don't care. Well, yeah, they that. expect you. It's like, you should be over it by no, now. Who the no, fuck are you? No. I can't deal with that. Like, no. you know, you should be over this by now because it's been this long. It's mm-hmm. like, it, this is a life-defining right. thing. right. <laughs> You know, there's no, and that's just what people say because they don't want to they be don't. your friend. No, they, they don't, don't want, they don't want to waste, yeah, have to support you, right? Right. Right. It's ridiculous. I have a guy friend going through that right now. He broke up with his girlfriend. He's de- he is fucking leveled. She like left him and married another girl, cause he, a guy, because he wouldn't marry, like lev- he's leveled. And he's like, none of my guy friends, they just tell me it was fine. I'm like, because they don't want to waste the time talking to you. Yeah. They don't want to deal with you. I mean, that that's the real sadness of the whole thing is that all that bullshit, it's like, come on, get over it. It's like, can't, you know, no one has the emotional fortitude, rarely, in your friendship. Like, like I, when I've been that guy and you've been that person. When you get left, I mean, you find three or four people that you can call every fucking day. I called them, Mark, I had a list of people from seven o'clock at night till seven o'clock in the morning. Sure. I kept you, calling. You don't want to be by yourself. Talk, and I had you? to talk. I couldn't do. I don't do anything else. I and you just got to be nice to them and rotate them. You know, you're right. like, you, you yes, take yeah, and it's when off. they had to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. When they had to go, I was like, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lot right now. I got, I got another person. <laughs> I, got, I got backup. <laughs> and you know what I do now for that same guy? That yeah. same guy now. He instant messaged me all day, and I totally am there for him because I just remember. But that's what I'm talking about. That's why we used to fist fight. That's why people would pick on each other because they <laughs> saw the vulnerability and they couldn't tolerate it in themselves. And that's where the freedom has come for me now. I understand I'm a human being, and so I have to take such good care. I never wanted to have to do that. I didn't want to say that things bothered me or that I'm fi- I wanted to be all fine, and that's how, it's all perverted. You push down your natural impulses, and it comes out perverted. Uh-huh. Which we could get into a whole philosophical conversation about how we do it personally, and then it comes out on the earth. Yeah, and, and it's, the all, it's all that fear. Whole, it's all yeah? that fear. And I'm not, and people literally, I, I'm not fucking around now. Yeah. Like, anybody can sit with me and be like, Sue's yeah. not lying. Yeah. Like, she's totally... Yeah. And in a second, I can... No, I feel that. I can take care of sure. myself. Yeah. And I can say, hey, and I can do it with my humor, yeah. which I've always been able to do. Did you go visit my ex-wife while you were here? No. Okay. And you talk to her? Mm, sometimes. I <laughs> do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so happy you let me come on your show. No, I didn't mean to bring that up. I That's do that sometimes. Right. I know. But, you know, that, well, the weird thing about that is that here's, and, and I, you know, maybe you can, you, the, the issue with that is, is like, I know that by holding on to whatever anger I have, if it's still there, yeah, obviously I get why everything went the way it went. And, you know, and I don't begrudge her her life at all. But there's something about holding this, because I know if I saw her, the, the, the possibility of me just like breaking down crying would be, that would be what would happen. Right. I wouldn't be like, no, fuck you. Right. I'd just be like, it's just that yearning for like, you know, why can't you just, you know, love me or accept me because I pushed her away all that right. time. And I would, I would probably still enter the same dynamic. But isn't that funny that you, you can't just say, you know what I did, like ex- that level of acceptance that that would take, but you would be free if you did. I'm almost there. It's cool. Do but it feel... takes a long time to surrender. Like people are always like, let it go. It's like it takes years and years and years and years to surrender. You do it a little at a time because control, we think we're like, you think you're protecting yourself with your control. You're actually repelling. No, I, I absolutely. And the weird thing about surrender is like I can feel it sometimes and I can see the possibility of it. 
but it I, it must be uh, terrifying on some level. It's it was for a long time. I'm less like I my insides are like the tight now, yeah. so I'm not as scared. Yeah, I mean, I I pretty close to lost everything. I mean, you know, when when that marriage fell apart, I mean, I was you know I was fucking devastated. Mm-hmm. But I can't say that in all areas of my life that I've handled it very well. I mean, I, I think that professionally and, and psychologically I have, but emotionally I'm still a fucking disaster. Right. Do you have a relationship? Do I? Yeah. No. And you don't miss it? No. Oh. I did, I got a lot of guy attention. That's the one thing that I didn't realize. Like, now, I, now I'm now i aware of it. Do you date? Yeah, lots. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you okay. Well, you do that. Yeah, yeah. And okay. I just haven't found anybody that I want to be. I want a kind guy. That's what I realize. I, like, I want a genuinely per, a guy who's kind. Right, everybody so always asks me what I want. That's what I want. So I guess I'm out. Why? I'm kind, but I'm crazy. <laughs> I don't mind crazy. <laughs> crazy can get <laughs> a little ugly. And I think if you're trying, I don't think anybody's going to be perfectly kind. No, they, they, you'd just be annoyed by that. You'd be like, come on. Yeah, no, I can't well, take yeah, that. Well, that's what the whole, my whole show, my show is about hope, but it's yeah. done in such a fucking hilariously dark, like. Now, what's what's the future of the show? Because I don't know when this will be on, but I mean, is there. What, you can go to SueCostello.com and I put up, I do it myself right now, so I put up the dates all the time there. So SueCostello.com, you can follow. It's called Minus 32 Million Words. I'm going to bring it back out here. I just have to find a place. Uh-huh. So I, all I wanted to do was get it up the night after the fighter and just get it done. Okay. I had a bunch of people. Jack McGee, the guy who played the father in the fighter, who I had no idea was even coming. He's great. He was like, Sue, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, I'm going to tell all the big wigs I've been rubbing elbows with that the Oscars about the show. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? I go, this is a little something I put together over the past 10 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm psyched because that, I, I, that whole crew was so organic that all the actors in that in that in that movie. I have to say that's a testament to David too. Really? Yeah, he's just he just he's so and he's smart. Yeah, he sees things five years before everybody else sees yeah. them. So his ability to have to try to communicate to people uh-huh. in a way that they can hear it and get it done. Yeah, I mean, I was just amazed at the uh, the subtlety of the performances around you know that that juggernaut of Christian Bale and everything. That there was a naturalness to all of it. I mean, Melissa Leo was like I I I. I, I never really noticed her before, and mm-hmm. I was like, who the fuck is that? And I have to say, it's him. I'm telling you, we shot a lot more crack stuff. They didn't put it in, and that's to his credit, too, because it was enough. Yeah. Well, it that just, was actually turned enough. out to be sort of a comic relief. Mm-hmm. That, like, I, there must have been a choice there, because I noticed that the movie has two two personalities. There's an independent feel, but he knew he was dealing with a Hollywood story. It was a legitimate Hollywood story. It mm-hmm. was a happy ending, mm-hmm. and it you know, and it was written as you know, almost a classic fighter movie. Mm-hmm. But he had to, you know, bring his own signature to it. So you had that a lot of that handheld single camera stuff. But it was very clear, you know, that when you know Christian Bell jumps into the garbage, that you know this this is the comic moment. Oh, and you, can I tell you, he did that because there was a scene that I shot that it was the end of the day. Yeah. We were in the crack house for fourteen hours. Yeah. And there were a couple of times where people had to shoot it where they had to do like tons of takes. Yeah. Or it's very stressful. Yeah. Because you know they're wasting money and everything. Yeah. So it's the end of the day and they're like, martini shot, martini shot. Yeah. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, that's the end of the day where they all go get martinis. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm like, I wonder who has to do that. I, I'm glad I'm not that person. They uh-huh. shoot it a bunch of times. And all of a sudden you hear, so <laughs> get in here. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, come here. You're going to look out the window. You're going to say this. You're going to do a banana walk. You're going to walk away. Uh-huh. I did it, and that was it. Happened to be the line where I said he did it again. He did it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. he took it out and put Kristen jumping again. He put the physicality in it, uh-huh. so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he needed that second beat because that that, that yeah. second beat established it as funny. Right, he saw it that day to have that in the can that I said that in case the other thing didn't come up to him or whatever. He's just brilliant. Well, you're brilliant. Thank you. And it was sweet talking to you. Thank you for yeah. having me. I mean it because I didn't know if you would ever have me on. And I'm so happy that you you got your shit together and things are looking up. Yeah, with love. Okay, 
with love. I won't want to scare you too much, but... Okay, I'm working on it. I know. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, that's it. That was Sue Costello. I don't even think I do the accent right. Wasn't that lovely? Wasn't she lovely? Okay, here's one other thing I want to mention. You know our theme song was written by my buddy John Montagna. He uh, composed it specifically for us. And now I've been getting some requests for ringtones. Now what you can do, and what if you want to have the WTF theme as your ringtone, you can go to johnmontagna.com, J-O-H-N-M-O-N-T-A-G-N-A.com. Uh, you get you can get the widget there and get it, it'll take you to the ringtone. It's a buck and a quarter. Or else you can text one word, John Montagna, and then WTF. Looks like John Montagna, one word, space WTF caps to 69937, and you can get it sent directly to your phone. So if you dig the uh, theme song and you want it to be a ringtone, that's how you can do it. Also, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get on the mailing list, buy a mug, get a new T-shirt. Go to WTFPodShop.com and get those back episodes. You can also get them if you search WTF Premium on iTunes. The Robin Williams, the Louis C.K., the Judd Apatow, the David Tell. What else? JustCoffee.coop. Do that. PunchlineMagazine.com. Do that. Go to the App Store. Get the WTF app. Get all those original episodes. If you upgrade to the premium, you can stream them and listen to them. Wow, this is a mouthful. All right, fucking pissa. I'll see you later. Screw. Screw.